All right, I'm here with my friend Jesse Romero, and we're going to talk about the Satanic Conference coming up, the murder of Bishop O'Connell in Los Angeles, some of the disturbing details on that, including the tabernacle being stolen after the murder suspect was apprehended. It's very confusing. Something fishy's going on here. Jesse Romero has information. Before we say our, our father, Jesse Romero, Christ is risen. Alleluia. Hallelujah, hallelujah. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. You know, it's kind of sad, Jesse. Sometimes I'm at church, you know, and I'll during this time I'll say, hey, Christ is risen, and they'll be like, yeah. And I'm like, come on, man. Let's... Come on, man. <laughs> so for everybody who's a new Catholic this year or was never taught properly, during Eastertide, Paschaltide, when someone says Christ is risen, hallelujah, you say he is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Should just be rapid fire. Amen. Amen. All right. Let's uh, yeah. let's do an Our Father in Latin. Sure. You good for the second second half? Sure. All right. Oremus. Nomini Patris et Fidi et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Pater Noster, qui es in celi, sanctificator nomen tuum, advenia regnum tuum, via voluntas tua, secut in cello et in terra. Panem nostrum quotidianum da nobis hodie, et dimite nobis vita nostra, secut et nos dimitimus demitoribus nostris, Amen. Amen. Virgin most powerful. Pray for Pray us. for us. All right. Bishop O'Connell, very disturbing uh, murder um, in his home. The suspect has confessed guilty. Is that correct? Who is the housekeeper's husband? To, to homicide. Yeah, he's, he's, he's confessed to Los Angeles Sheriff's Department's Homicide Bureau. All right. So, uh, but the weird thing is, is he's already apprehended and then someone breaks into the house again and doesn't steal the flat screen TV, but the tabernacle, which in our Catholic faith is what houses protects the most holy Eucharist. I understand that Bishop O'Connell had his own chapel in his house and his own tabernacle. Is that right? Correct. Right. Yeah. So yeah. was he murdered in the presence of the blessed sacrament? You know, I, I haven't got that information, but I can tell you that he was murdered on February 18th. That was a Saturday of, of this year in his home. It's uh, in Hacienda Heights, which is a suburb of Los Angeles. And uh, <clears throat> what's disturbing, Taylor, is that, uh, I mean, almost like five weeks after. So the suspect is in custody. Uh, the killer's name is, he's already confessed to homicide. His name is uh, Carlos Medina. Uh, do I got his name correct? Yeah, I, got, I try to forget it, but yeah, that's. But the, the point is, here's what's disturbing is that a few weeks after the murder of Bishop O'Connell, his tabernacle is burglarized. His house was burglarized. His house was locked and it was burglarized between Friday 324 and Sunday 326. Nothing was disturbed except the tabernacle was stolen. Nobody knows if the Blessed Sacrament was inside. We don't know that. Here's what's interesting. What was happening at that time during the burglary of the bishop's home? There was a spiritual warfare conference. I was the MC. It was happening in Pomona, California, which is in Bishop's uh, Dolan. I mean, uh, Bishop uh, 
O'Connell, rest in peace, his region. That's wow. a San Gabriel region. We were having a spiritual warfare conference. I was the MC. Bishop Strickland was a speaker. Uh, Father Chad Ripperger was a speaker. And his team, his exorcist team there, Dr. Dan Schneider and uh, Kyle Clement. Also, at the time when the burglary took place, there was also a Eucharistic, a six-mile Eucharistic procession that was being led through the streets of Los Angeles by Archbishop Jose Gomez. So you had two wow. bishops doing something very apostolic. Bishop Gomez, Eucharistic procession. Bishop Strickland doing some power preaching Friday, Saturday, and Sunday in the diocese, in, in the region of, uh, of, of Bishop O'Connell, the murdered bishop. Now, the tabernacle, it was bolted down with screws. And so it was not, th th this was planned because they had to bring the hardware to unbolt the tabernacle. So somebody knew, whoever did it, someone knew. Again, and was this, a, was this a Eucharistic revival conference? What was the theme of this conference with Bishop Strickland? And oh, it, it was a straight uh, Southern California spiritual warfare conference. Okay, But at the same time, Bishop Jose Gomez was doing a Eucharistic procession down the streets of Los Angeles. Uh, and, and what's what's interesting is that the 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 bishop who was murdered in in Hacienda Heights in that house on a Saturday, as you said, Taylor, the the, the killer who's confessed, Carlos Medina, he's in custody. So we know that he didn't commit the burglary. And so you don't have to be a rocket scientist or a detective from the Scotland Yards. There's more than one person involved yep. again I, i've maintained from the very beginning that that the killing that this killing goes way beyond a drug addict from south central los angeles it's more than one person uh someone other than carlos medina finished off the job this adds this adds insult to injury first they murder our bishop then they steal the tabernacle which is the most important item in the catholic church yeah Definitely. And it's it's not a crime for money. It's a spiritual crime. It's 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 flipping the bird to there the church. Yeah. That's it. That's the point that I'm making. And uh and is this a you. is this a everybody else better watch out because we're still the guy might be in prison who pulled the trigger, but we're still operating here. Look at here's 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 a theory of mine which uh to me, this is the only thing that's, that makes sense. When you have powerful men from the Bohemian Grove, okay, of which Bishop O'Connell had been there before in 2017. He went to a 17-day uh, retreat at the Bohemian Grove. You know who else was a member of the Bohemian Grove? And I got this from James Grime himself. James Grime the victim who was sodomized by Carl McCarrick, he said he told our family several times he was a member of the Bohemian Grove. McCarrick. This, yeah, McCarrick. Yeah. Bohemian Grove is in Northern California's 2,700-acre. Uh, it's a it's a satanic playboy retreat house for the most rich and powerful men in the world. I believe, Taylor, that Bishop O'Connell, probably like all of us, we're all sinners, we make mistakes, he was invited, probably didn't do his due diligence, went there, 
and he had regrets about going there. And I can tell you because the last couple of years, he was, he was zealous about the Catholic faith. And I think what he was trying to do is basically disassociate himself from what he probably did in the past at that place from even attending there. He admits that he went there to a, to a group of seminarians, 13 seminarians at dinner. He, he admitted he'd been there. He admitted it. Yes. I got the names. I got the dates. Yes, he admitted it. Uh, and, and, he, I, and, and I heard there was also a Bohemian Grove calling card in his home. Yes. I got a picture of it in my wallet and, and my, in my iPhone of the seminarian that took the picture. Uh, and he goes, Jesse, uh, I'm going to send this picture to you in case I get knocked off. He says, this is in Bishop uh, O'Connell's uh, room. He asked me to clean the bedroom and clean the house. And so that's why he was in there, the seminarian, upon the orders of the bishop to clean the whole house uh, before five o'clock meal. And he said, I've got it on my iPhone. Uh, and so... And he admitted that he'd been there in front of 13 people. Again, we all make mistakes. I think he probably didn't do his due diligence and went there and realized after he got there uh, that this is no place for a Catholic man. In fact, Taylor, if you want to see something funny on your own time, go on YouTube and type in uh, Richard Nixon talks about the Bohemian Grove. This is back like in, in the 1970s. B R Richard Nixon, who'd been there, had nothing good to say about it. I'm not gonna, I can't say what he said because it's a family show. But he basically said nobody should ever go there. Yeah. Did you do you know that there's a statue of a Catholic saint at Bohemian Grove? I didn't know that. I know it's, there's a tattoo. It's a yeah. statue of Saint John Nepomuk going like this. Ah, interesting. Do you, do you know who Saint John Nepomuk is? No, I don't. He is a priest who was a martyr who was in the city of Prague, which is now Czech. And the legend is the king wanted to find out if his wife was up to trouble. And her confessor was St. John Nepomuk. So he told St. John Nepomuk, hey, tell me what she's confessing. And he said, I can't. There's the seal of confession. I can't reveal crimes to the king, even if that is your wife and you're the king. So the king had him thrown off a bridge, mm. the bridge there in, in Prague. And in the mm. next day, a fisherman found his body with five stars glowing around his head. And he's the patron saint of the seal of confession. But I think it's interesting that these Satanists at Bohemian Grove have chosen this saint to mock who won't reveal the secrets of the queen and the king the royal family and he's making this gesture like Shh, don't tell the secrets wow. of the politically powerful that statue's in bohemian grove people report that seeing it sense. yeah you, you just you just went another layer deeper and now i understand even the depth of how evil that place is yeah i can tell you that one thing about the bohemian grove is this is where the world leaders they gather together every year uh, it's run by the Freemasons. It's run by the Illuminati. There's a lake there. Hold on, Jesse. And we go get my foil hat real quick. Put it on. <laughs> I got mine on already as well. Okay. There's a lake there that's got a 45-foot stone owl. Uh, they call it the Great Owl of Bohemia. And they have a ceremony on Sunday nights where the men dance in togas. You know, they they, they dance. Some of them dance naked. Uh and, and they do a, a consecration 
to this uh, this great owl of Bohemia, which we know as Psalm 95 says, it says the gods of the of the Gentiles are demons. This is That's nothing. Right. This is an Old Testament demon god. Yeah, straight up demon. Yeah. So uh, the last thing that I would say about this so, is so that. So here, I, I kind of want to, for people coming in late, we've had a few hundred, more hundred people come in. Uh, the tap, not only was Bishop O'Connell murdered, but after they apprehended the suspect who was confessed to it, someone broke in and stole the tabernacle that was in the chapel of Bishop O'Connell's home where he was murdered. Uh, it was bolted in. They removed it. That's the only thing they burglarized. It's a spiritual sign. Yes. Uh, we're, we're saying it's analogous to just flipping the bird to Christ in the church. I killed your bishop and I stole your tabernacle. Yes. And it's a multi-person team because the guy who killed him is in is in jail. Yeah, yeah. And here's here's also something uh, that that's interesting is that this the alleged killer who's already confessed to the crime of homicide, Carlos Medina. Um, my my confidential, reliable sources tell me that they've interviewed him at least ten different times. Guess what? Every single time they interview him, he gives a different story as to mm. they ask a motive because he's already said I did it. So now they're asking him why every day for 10 days they asked him and every single day he gave a different answer, which means the experts would tell you the detectives that are experts at this. They would tell you that he's playing with us. He's not going to tell us the truth. As they say in the streets, he's yanking our chain. He's not going to tell the truth. Uh, this guy's just the fall guy. There's more people behind this. That's so do this you guy. think he pulled the trigger? Yeah, I, I, I have no doubt that it was. He's a he's a low life drug addict from South Central Los Angeles who's a meth head. Meth is the worst drug out there in the streets. Everybody I know that does meth, everybody categorically, I got people I found that do meth. They tell me. Jesse, Uncle Jesse, they go, when you're on meth, immediately you see demons. They come from the roof. They come from beyond the walls, from the bed. You see them. This is the only drug where drug addicts have told me immediately you enter into a world of demons as soon as you're under the influence. This is meth is the equivalent of the Ouija board when it comes to narcotics. Wow. More so than heroin or anything like that. Oh, by far, by far. Yeah. Wow. And so, uh, yeah, this guy, I don't think a 65-year-old meth head from South Central Los Angeles, uh, I don't think that he would have the motive or the desire to kill a Catholic bishop. Uh, Taylor, we know that we have a history in this country of, of Kinkley, Sirhan Sirhan, uh, Lee Harvey Oswald. We have insignificant drifters that are put are, that, that are that are ordered to kill somebody at a high level for and obviously these guys are the fall guys they end up going to a mental institution they end up getting out in five to ten years they end up taking the fall but i have no doubt let's just be honest the love of money is the root of all evils the bible says i have no doubt that their families are financially taken care of uh for these uh drifters to keep their mouth shut that's just the way it works and so you're never going to connect it to the real people this, what's called the shot callers. Taylor, this happens all the time. In California prisons, you got the Mexican mafia, black gorilla family, the Crips, uh, Aryan Brotherhood. 
they're always sending people to kill for them while in prison. This is the Mexican cartels do the same thing in Mexico. This is nothing new. Yeah. Now let's let's circle back to the murder of Bishop O'Connell. At first, there was reports that he died. Some say he was shot in a chair. Some say he was shot. There's all these different reports coming out. There was delay from the archdiocese. What really happened? How was he really murdered? Okay. Uh, my confidential reliable informant told me that he was shot three times behind the head. And when I say confidential reliable informant, I could just tell you this. He's seen the body. That's all I can tell you. Um, he was shot three times behind the head. The killer or killers, I would have to say killers because the bishop was picked up from the floor and laid on his bed. When they saw the bed, it was completely intact. It wasn't disheveled. So if you if one person drags dead weight onto a bed, you're going to disturb the blankets. They're going to be disheveled. They're going to be dis disorganized. The blankets, when they found the body, the paramedics in homicide, when they found the body, the, ble the, the bed was tucked tightly. He was on the bed and he was laying as if he was on a coffin, in a coffin. And so uh, if you look at some of the pictures on the Internet, you'll find that you'll find that there's a ritual where you'll find uh, in, in, in Freemasonry where they have people with their hands over their stomach. These are like, it, it's, it's known as the, the, the praying off of the patriarch. You're, pray, you're sending them off. This is kind of a Masonic way of sending off a patriarch, obviously into eternity. Bishop O'Connell was a patriarch. He was a bishop. He was a Catholic bishop. And so he has spiritual patriarchal authority and so the way, you know, the folded arms on his stomach, like he's in a coffin, uh, there's also a video on YouTube where I saw he's an Eastern, an Eastern priest who's got like a, uh, he's like a Yale historian. He calls this the Masonic killing of the king. And he goes through it in detail, this type of uh, ritual that's used uh, amongst the Masons when they, quote unquote, they send off a patriarch into eternity. Wow. Yeah. So, so the, from what you're putting together here, we've got at least two men have to pick up a body to get it on the bed like that. Absolutely. It's too heavy for one person. And then, and then you know, I, you, you've worked in police force and prison and all that. I'm not too familiar with this, but to shoot someone on the back of the head three times is that that's not something you you run into a room and do that means you've got to apprehend the guy like hold him or how, how does how do you get three shots off like that taylor the way you get three shots off like that is execution yeah that's what that's when they're torturing you mentally torturing you before they're about to pull the trigger and so there's a conversation that goes on uh and and uh it's it's interesting that why three shots i would say because the the occultist People in the occult, like when they do a curse or a spell, they'll do it three times in, 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 uh, to blaspheme the Holy Trinity. And that's why, for example, as Catholics, when we pray prayers 
of deliverance, especially like Freemasonic deliverance in Father Ripperger's book, uh, you pray those prayers three times in honor of the Holy Trinity. So I don't think it's a coincidence that he was shot three times as well. I think there's that's another sign that that was done in defilement of the Holy Trinity by some occultist. Yeah. That makes sense? That makes sense. That makes sense. So somehow, the way you're putting together the pieces and connecting the dots, Bishop O'Connell went to Bohemian Grove. It's a haven of Satanism and immorality. We know that they have a statue of St. John Nepomuk going like this. Wow. Which is a sign of a priest keeping political secrets in the seal of confession. Mm. Right? I mean... To me, the very fact that this satanic Bohemian Grove has a statue of a Catholic priest making the shh sign, you know, it makes me wonder out loud. This is just a question I have. You know, did Bishop O'Connell get involved and was he going to reveal something? Was he trying to get out? Was he going to not shh but speak? I don't know. But sadly, he was murdered in a ceremonial way. Yeah, I've talked to some people that are experts in our church and the occult, and they've said that was a ceremonial killing. Yeah. Several people in our church that I've talked to, high-level people around the country on spiritual warfare, they said that was a serial ceremonial killing, Jesse, What the way they found the body. And I'll tell you, just like all of us are called to have an interior conversion, all of us, I believe Bishop O'Connell was having that interior conversion even more so the last couple of years in our life of his life i'll tell you why he it's like saul of tarsus he kind of ended his life he started his life slow but he ended as saint paul the apostle strong bishop o'connell ended his life strong let me tell you three things that set him, set him apart from other bishops in the united states okay number one is he used to pray in front of abortion clinics once or twice a month. I know people that would text me, I'm out here with Bishop O'Connell, he's leading the rosary. He would do this once or twice a month for the last two or three years with regularity. Another thing I know about him is he did at least two consecrations of Los Angeles with the Blessed Sacrament. One he did marching down the streets with thousands of Catholics with our friend Angelo Labuti. He was with him, Angelo organized that one. And Angelo asked all the bishops in California. Nobody said, no, 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 no. We don't want to participate in that. It's a bunch of lay Catholics. No, 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 Bishop O'Connell went out there and he consecrated. He walked and marched with the Blessed Sacrament with thousands of lay Catholics, consecrated Los Angeles, in, with, uh, you know, walking through the streets. Also, my friend Terry Barber, we do the Terry and Jesse show on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Uh, right behind Terry's house is one of the highest mountains in, uh, in Los Angeles. Terry took Bishop O'Connell up there, and Bishop O'Connell, with the Blessed Sacrament, consecrated Los Angeles County. Specifically, you could see downtown L.A. from the, the, that mountain. He consecrated Hollywood, Los Angeles, to the Lord Jesus Christ in this beautiful consecration prayer that's on the Internet. Then he turned to the left, Orange County, to the left of that mountain. He consecrated Orange County to our Lord Jesus Christ with the Blessed Sacrament. He turned to the right, Riverside County, three humongous counties in Los Angeles from this top of the mountain. And he spent an hour there praying for these three counties. How many bishops do that, Taylor? And here's the last thing I would say. Here's the last thing I would say. The bishop is 
the is the exorcist of his diocese by office. The office of bishop is an exorcist. Bishop O'Connell, the last few years, last two or three years, instead of farming out cases of diabolical possession or alleged diabolical possession to his priests, you know what he started doing the last couple of years? He started doing that himself. Wow, that's what a bishop should do. Duh, yeah. yeah. People need add- to understand this. People say, well, what do wow. you do? What do you do if there's no exorcist in your diocese? What do you do? Trick question. There's always an exorcist in the yes. diocese. The exorcist of every diocese by divine law is the bishop. Now he can delegate it to a priest who's more experienced or more holy, but the bishop comes preloaded as the exorcist for that diocese. Yeah, let me let me quote Father Ripperger to you. Father Ripperger says a mutual friend of ours, he says. An exorcist prayer with the mandate are very powerful, very powerful. He says, but a bishop, whoa. He goes, Jesse, when a bishop prays, it's like firing cannons off of a Navy ship. Mm -hmm. There's nothing. It's scorched earth when a bishop does the rite of exorcism. Father Ripperger says, you cannot compare a priest's prayers in the rite to a bishop because he's the exorcist by office. It's firing uh, it's firing uh, missiles from a Navy ship when a bishop does the right. Yeah. And Bishop O'Connell was doing the right for the last couple of years. That must have that must have pissed off people in the Bohemian Grove. They're saying, hey, dude, you're hanging out with us. You, you're, you're a member here. You've been here. Now you're praying in front of abortion clinics. Our father, the, 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 the devil, doesn't like what you're doing. You're doing consecrating Los Angeles. With the Nazarene and the monstrance? Oh, oh, no, no, no. What are you doing? Knock it off. And now you're doing exorcisms? Hey, our father down below doesn't like that. He was doing things that I'm telling you upset the dark side. And so he, the way he ended his life, all bishops in the country should follow the lead of Bishop O'Connell the way he ended his life. I'm not saying the murder. I'm talking about the priestly duties that he was doing right. exorcism every- eucharistic procession eucharistic benediction and praying in front of abortion clinics leading leading the prayers yeah yep and you can see jesse why the demons those infernal twisted spirits why they want to get bishops off track man because if even one bishop really lives the apostolic model of being a bishop like you said, the naval cannons come out, scorched earth. So those demons are working 24-7 on our bishops. This is why you need to pray for your bishop. Maybe we just challenge everybody, pray a decade of the rosary today for your local ordinary bishop. Yeah. Uh, Taylor, also, let's pray for the repose of the soul of Bishop O'Connell. I've done it for nine yeah. days, but let's I feel do like it. doing it. How do you want to do it? We'll do it in English. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Eternal rest grant unto Bishop O'Connell, Lord, and let your perpetual light shine upon, upon him. May the soul of Bishop O'Connell and the souls of all the faithful departed through the mercy of God rest in, rest peace. in peace. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. All right. Well, speaking of evil, uh, one of the things we wanted to do today is to explain and equip lay people with the proper role of lay people 
in the face of the demonic. See, we're not Protestants or Protestant charismatic evangelicals. We're just like, I'm baptized. I'm going in because we have a hierarchy in the church. And as you just explained, Jesse, bishops are the most powerful priests if they're delegated by the bishop. But the demons also are looking for disobedience and confusion on our, on our side to penetrate and infiltrate on our side. So we have to keep the rank. So I, I as a layman can't go out there and just start doing exorcisms out of the, the Roman exorcism book. Uh, and even priests have to be properly delegated. Father Ripperger explains all that. So is there anything left for lay people to do? And let's talk about some of these satanic conventions too. Yeah, the, the Temple of Satan, which is the most active satanic group in the United States right now, they're, uh, they're based out of uh, uh, Detroit, Michigan. They're having a conference at the end of the month in Boston, Massachusetts. This is their third conference. They're going from city to city. They're having three-day satanic conferences where they do spells, hexes, curses, incantations, a black mass, and orgies uh, They in the hotel. And this, they're doing with the with the goal of consecrating the city to Satan. This is very dangerous for us as Catholics. So what should what can Catholics do, or what should they do? First of all, let's talk about what you can do as an American. As an American, the Constitution and and the uh, Declaration of Independence it gives you the right as an American to go out there, the the right right you know right of free speech. Uh, you know, right, uh, right to you know a, a religion, and also the right to here it is peaceably assemble, peace. So that's a constitutional right that we have as Americans. Now, on a natural level, and by the way, there is a lay leader out there that's uh, in charge of this gathering the lay people because this is a lay endeavor, uh, Taylor. Uh, I'll, I'll even quote Vatican II on this, and I'll quote you some of the saints. Vatican II is replete with one document after another saying that the lay people are called to evangelize the temporal order. This is a recurring theme in the documents of Vatican II. I'm going to repeat it again. Lay people are called to evangelize the temporal order. What are the priests called to do? The priests are called to minister in the sanctuary, the sacraments, the homily, Give a sanctifying grace. Outside the altar rail, it's the world of the laity. The world of the laity is secular society, the temporal order. Now, on a natural level, what should we do? Uh, and by the way, the person that's in charge of this over in, in, uh, in, in, in Boston, his name, is, his name is Kenneth Murphy. Kenneth Murphy, his email is Boston. You can email him. Uh, to participate in his prayerful, peaceful gathering of prayers of reparation. His email is bostonreparation at gmail.com, bostonreparation at gmail.com, bostonreparation at gmail.com. Do we have a mandate as Catholics to go out there in the public square and evangelize? Yes, Vatican II says we do. Let me quote to you some recent bishops. And then some saints. Bishop Olmsted, who's just retired here in Phoenix, he wrote a document called Into the Breach, where he quotes Ezekiel the prophet, Ezekiel 22, verse 30, where Ezekiel says, And I sought for a man among them 
who should build up the wall and stand in the breach before me for the land that I should not destroy it, but I found none. So God is calling men to stand in the gap or in the breach between the enemies of God and the innocent people, women and children. Who's called to stand in the breach? Men. Men. Bishop Olmsted wrote a document where he calls men to go out there in public and stand in the breach. He says in his document on page 22, he says, The world is under attack by Satan, as our Lord said it would be. The battle is occurring in the church herself. One of the key reasons that the church is faltering under the attacks of Satan is that many Catholic men have not been willing to stand into the breach to fill the gap that lies open and vulnerable to further attack. He says, my sons and brothers, we need you to step into the breach. He wrote a second document to Catholic men called Catholics in the Public Square. He's very clear here about what men should be doing. Look what he says on page 33. This is gold. He says this. Men, finally, prayer is a primary means of promoting and fostering a culture of life. While personal daily prayer is always important, public prayer gatherings can provide a striking witness to the rest of society. Close quote. Notice what Bishop Holmes has said. Public prayer gatherings can provide a striking witness to the rest of society. He also says in that document, a lay person in the public square has a particular responsibility to live his or her vocation in view of its unique impact on society, especially those involved with all forms of the mass media. A significant part of the lay's responsibilities is to live their faith by promoting the common good in society. One more, and then I'll, I'll turn it back to you. It says, Catholic lay people are supposed to act as disciples of Jesus Christ in a manner guided by the teaching of the church. Catholic lay people should be the leaven of Jesus Christ in the public square. Laymen and women are in a unique position to bring their faith into all areas of society. Uh, this, this is also, by the way, Taylor, the testimony of the saints. There are saints that, that tell us, you know what? There's a time to go out there. Yeah, there's a time, obviously, Go home and pray. If, if, you, if you have medical problems, you live out in the Boston area, you should be praying these three days, prayers of reparation, prayers of supplication and intercession uh, for, for the, uh, so that these saints receive the grace of conversion and the grace of salvation. But you should also be praying for the protection of Boston because our prayers, what they do, they're more powerful than their curses. Our prayers, it stops the effect of their curses. But look at what St. Louis de Montfort says here, Taylor. St. Louis de Montfort, in his book, The Secret of the Rosary, says this. Public prayer is far more powerful than private prayer to appease the anger of God and calls down God's mercy. And Holy Mother Church, guided by the Holy Ghost, has always advocated public prayer in times of public tragedy and suffering. Close quote. I would say a satanic conference is a public tragedy. So in obedience to St. Louis de Montfort, we need public prayer. Let me quote one more and I'll give it to you. St. John Vianney, patron saint of parish priest, says this, quote, Private prayer is like straw scattered here and there. If you set it on fire, it makes a lot of little fires. But gather these straws into a bundle and light them, and you get a mighty fire rising like a column into the sky. Public 
prayer is like that. Close quote. Amen. And singing and processions. Yeah, absolutely. Bring, bring it all. Yeah. Bring it all. I'll tell you who's going to be there. Thanks be to God. America needs Fatima is going to be there. They're going in full force. I just talked to them. I've been They're talking to them the last couple of days. They're, they go out there. They're going to take banners so the lay people can help them hold these banners. It'll, it says, you know, Mary crushes the head of the serpent. Satan has no rights. They have beautiful banners that lay Catholics, when they get there, uh, you know, volunteer to hold them out there as we're praying. They come with bagpipes. Uh, they do uh, a lot of Gregorian chant in between in, in between the rosaries that Catholics should be praying. Uh, and again, they call there are a bunch of young guys that have it, it, that have suits and ties on, and they just have a well ordered. You know, they look like like a, a lay militia, and so they're going to be out there in full force. Yep, I've 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 worked with them and held signs with them, and they're great. They have great signs. And this is all part of, you know, what we've been saying for years. Take up space. Look at what the demonic does. They take up public space because we're in a battle. Where do they go? They go to the soft civic targuments. What's the softest civic target in your town or city? The public library. That's the softest target, isn't it? And yet it's a civic property. So why do you think they're spending all this time taking over the libraries? It's a soft target. Can't City Hall, hard target. Police station, fire station, hard targets. Library, soft target. So the demonic and the people that work and serve the demonic, that is where they're infiltrating because they are trying to take over the entire secular order. And that includes the government. And so they're going to always begin at places like the library. We Catholics, for hundreds of years, as we began to conquer in the name and banner of Jesus Christ, all societies, what were we doing? We were having Eucharistic and Marian processions in a back alley, Main Street, in the plazas, taking over. You know the difference, Jesse, between a Protestant town and a Catholic town? So if you come to Texas and you drive in the country, you'll find all these Protestant towns founded okay. by Protestants. Got it. If you go to a Catholic town anywhere in the world that was founded by Catholics, there is a cathedral and a plaza or a piazza where people gather with their families, right? It's an open park area in front of the cathedral. And the center of the town is the, is the church, the parish church or if it's a city, the cathedral, and the plaza with a cross and a dome and all that. A Protestant town has a courthouse with a little plaza in front of it. Mm. You go all through Texas, if it's a Protestant town, they'll have the courthouse right in the middle of the town, right? The whole idea of how you build a city, how you sustain a city, and how you sustain a culture we must take up space. Part of Catholicism is outdoor devotion, outdoor processions, and we have to bring it back. Also, this is the moment where I got to tell you guys, do you have a Virgin Mary statue in your front yard? Get one. You say, I don't have a front yard. I live in an apartment or a condo. Do you have a crucifix 
or an icon or something at your front door, near your front door that says, this is a Catholic home. Jesus Christ is served here. This is under the blue mantle of the Blessed Virgin Mary at a St. Francis one. I mean, we got to start doing this. Or they're going to take over not just the library, but everything. See, first it's library, then it's school, elementary schools, and they're just going to keep on creeping. Yeah, that's right. On a natural level, uh, number one, call the police department, all you guys in Boston. Let them know you're going to be there. Don't surprise them. Call City Hall. Ask them if you need a permit. They're going to tell you no because this is a First Amendment issue. You're not going to need a permit as long as you're in public. Uh, tell them you're going to be standing in front of the hotel. Give them, you know, an approximate number. We need boots on the ground praying in front of the hotel in Boston. We also need people praying from home that are sick. We need people praying inside churches in front of the Blessed Sacrament. Uh, also, it'd be a good idea to carpool. You don't know. The, check out the parking situation. Tell people they're going to go to carpool. Uh, sometimes there's a parking shortage. Uh, make sure you know where the public restrooms are at if you're going to be there for a few hours. And also, something else that I would recommend for the Bostonian Catholics to do is call the Boston Marriott Copley Place. Call the hotel and be respectful, be polite, but tell them that I want to express my grave concern as a citizen here of Boston, Massachusetts, and uh, that you're allowing Satanists at your hotel to have a satanic conference. I thought the Marriott Hotel was owned by Mormons. Tell them the devil's not our friend, and giving the devil a platform could only bring misery and misfortune to Boston. And ask them, be rhetorical, say, does your hotel really want to be associated with, with the temple of Satan that promotes sin and immorality and revolt and blasphemy? Be polite and be firm. So those, those are some of the natural things you should do. Some of the new supernatural. I'll tell you what, Jesse, I don't want to stay at that joint. <laughs> Imagine you get the room where they had a satanic orgy and that's your, you got to stay. No, thanks. Also, make sure before you go out there, you're all prayed up. You're in a state of grace. Don't go out there. If you're in a state of mortal sin, don't stay home. Your prayers are useless. You yeah. got to make sure you're in a state of sanctifying grace. Go to Holy Mass in the morning. Pray your rosary in the morning. You got to be armored up. You got to be churched up, prayed up and armored up. And, and 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 one of the reasons we go out and pray, Taylor, as Catholics, is because we also are doing prayers of reparation. Simply, we're trying to repair the damage that they're doing because they're projecting into the cosmos curses, hexes, incantations, blasphemies, profanities, and sacrileges against our Lord and Our Lady. We want to repair the damage with our prayers. And also, think about this. The fact is, most of the people in there are baptized Catholics or Protestants, you know, because it's America. And so who we don't know. You could have the next blessed Bartolo Longo in there. Your prayers can give him, can merit the grace of conversion, and he can have a Saul of Tarsus moment and say, what am I doing in here? Mm. And come back to Holy Mother Church. There's a lot of potential blessed Bartolo Longos there. And the only way they're going to receive the grace of conversion is by us meriting that grace through our prayers of reparation. Amen. Yeah, the story of Bartolo Longo is very powerful. Um, I detail it in my book, uh, Rosary in 50 Pages, if you want to learn about it in a, in a short way. Basically, he was a Satanist. He was a, what's the title? He wasn't a wizard. What was he, a warlock? He was a high like, priest. I he was a high yeah. priest. But he was yeah. a Satanist, and he was converted through the power of the rosary, and he became 
the apostle of the rosary, one of the greatest, you know, proclaimers of the power of the rosary and was completely converted, became a very holy man. And he's a blessed, isn't he? Beatified. Yeah. Blessed Bartolo Longo. Correct. And he was a Satanist. So just because someone is a Satanist, they could go on and become the apostle of the rosary. Prayers. Taylor, also something important about this issue about whether to go or not go and pray in front of a, uh, do, uh, do peaceful prayers in front of a satanic conference. This is a, this falls under the area in Catholicism of a prudential judgment. In other words, nobody can tell you whether to go or not to go. This is something that's a matter of your own personal moral conscience. And in fact, it was, I think it was uh, St. John Henry Newman he said that the moral conscience is the is the first vicar of Christ. The moral conscience is the first vicar of Christ. In other words, when they came out here in 2019, my moral conscience was like a like a like a siren. It was loud. I could not stay home that weekend and watch Gilligan's Island reruns and ESPN reruns and UFC fights, knowing that they were consecrated a part of the Phoenix Diocese to Satan. I, in my moral conscience. I felt, as St. Paul says, impelled to go out there with my rosary in one hand, Jesus in my heart, in a state of grace, with 300 Catholic prayer warriors to go out there and stand in the breach, or as you say, take up space for the Lord Jesus Christ and do prayers of reparation for all the citizens of Scottsdale who were just, you know, not just another Friday, just another Saturday, as their, as their city's being cursed by high-level Satanists. I had to go out there and, and 300 other Catholics, and we had to stand in the breach as Ezekiel calls us to. Yeah. And it reminds me of the story of Judith, which is in our Catholic Bible. You got all these generals, all these captains, and they're quaking in their boots, and they won't fight. And then Judith says, well, I'm going to have to go down in that camp. And wins the battle in one night. Decapitates Holofernes, destroys him. So, you know, it is true. We First off, who is God calling? The hierarchy, the bishops, the they're priests, the, the, the deacons. Yeah, they're, yeah. We, yeah, we're the B team. But just because you're a 96-year-old granny doesn't count you out. It's, it might be your beads your prayers that convert the next blessed uh, Bartolo. Yeah. She might be yeah. the one that gets the sniper shot on that right. and spiritually lands the prayer that uh, converts his heart. You know what? I heard a really good thing a bishop say, Jesse. He said, every time you make the sign of the cross in public, like if you're at a restaurant to pray, make the sign. Of the, he said, every time you make the sign of the cross, you place a drop of grace on every person who saw it. I like that. Even just someone, a Protestant, an atheist, another Catholic, they see you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Just that physical outward expression of taking up space in the physical realm for Jesus Christ. You have the cross and you have the name of the Holy Trinity that place is a drop on every person in the restaurant. 
I can prove that. I, I can I can make that story incarnational. Let's do it. My partner, Terry Barber, I do the Terry and Jesse show with him on Virgin the Most Powerful, Monday through Friday. He was at Denny's restaurant about a year and a half ago with his wife after Sunday Holy Mass. As uh, he's done all his life, he makes a sign of the cross. He prays grace before meals. A lady across the table watched him and his wife do the sign of the cross and make and say grace before meals. This lady ran across the restaurant and started wagging her finger at my partner, Terry. Why did you do that? Why did you do that? Huh? What? Whoa, lady, well, calm down. You know, imagine. And, and and he goes, calm down, lady. We're Catholic, and that's what we do before we pray. What? 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 And she she was she was triggered. Then she just she calmed down, and she told Terry and his his wife Mary Danielle said, "Can I sit down here?" Sure. Have a seat. <laughs> so Terry and his wife are got their coffee and their breakfast. They're like, "Whoa, who's this crazy lady?" She said, "I was really touched by what you guys did." Really? She goes, I was going to commit suicide after breakfast today. I wrote a suicide note to my husband and to my children. Wow. In the living room, I came to eat and I was going to go kill myself right after this breakfast. And I wrote that in the suicide note. I'm going to go eat breakfast and then kill myself. She said, when I saw you and your wife make that sign of the cross, she said, Something stirred so powerfully in my heart that I said, maybe I should come back to church and give Jesus a try. And she looked at them and said, thank you. I'm going to go home because you made the sign of the cross in public. That desire to kill myself has been lifted and I'm going home to my family. She walked away crying, weeping, weeping. Yeah. So it's just what you said. It's what yeah. you said. Yeah. And it might be an immediate thing like that where someone comes up and says, I'm going to kill myself. Now I'm not. It might just be that one drop. Maybe they got a seed inside of them and just need one drop of water to get that seed to grow. So we got to do it. If you are ashamed to make the sign of the cross at a restaurant or you're on a business meal and you're having lunch and you're like, well, I just, I'm not going to do it. No. Jesus said, if you're ashamed, if you're, how's it go, Jesse? If you're ashamed uh, of me before man, I'll be ashamed of you before the father. Yeah. Before my father in heaven. Yeah. 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 I mean, come on. Taylor, let me, let me quote one more person as we're, I know we're winding down here. I'm going to quote somebody else. Uh, Bishop Barron. He's got a big footprint within the U S bishops. Here's what he talked about. He talked about lay Catholics have a duty to go out there in public. Look at what he said. Now, he said this two years ago within the context of the Antifa BLM attacks against Catholic churches and in cities across the country. But it applies to going out there uh, at, in front of the Boston Marriott Copley Place from April 28th, 29th, and 30th. By the way, a good man is organizing this. His name is Kenneth Murphy. It's called bostonreparation at gmail.com, bostonreparation at gmail.com. Contact him so you can uh, stand side by side with him. But here's what Bishop Barron said in the context of the BLM and Antifa riots. He said this, quote, um, Many Catholics like to complain that their leadership does nothing about the problems happening in the world while doing little themselves. Although 
the bishops could do more. Uh, Bishop Barron claims that these concerned Catholics are putting way too much onus on the clergy and not nearly enough on themselves. Rather, Bishop Barron argues that it is the laity, not the clergy, who must fight the legal and cultural battles in the public square. And to support this claim, Bishop Barron cites Vatican II Lumen Gentium, which states, quote, the lady, by their very vocation, seek the kingdom of God by engaging in temporal affairs and by ordering them according to the plan of God, close quote. Bishop Barron also said that the bishops need to attend to church matters more or less exclusively while the lay people live out their vocation in the secular world. What's the point that I'm making? Catholics, you are you are duty bound. You are allowed by the Constitution and then duty bound by the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 19. Go therefore and make disciples. And the current documents of the church, Bishop Barron, Bishop Olmsted, St. John Vianney, St. Louis of Monfort, to go out there in a state of grace with Jesus in your heart, with a rosary in your hand, and take up space for Jesus in the public square. I mean, I agree with that, Jesse, but let me let me just push back a little bit. You know, when we've had these bills coming for certain kinds of marriage that are unnatural, bishops kind of stayed quiet. I don't think it's just the lay people. You look at the history. When Attila the Hun came to Rome to, to tear the place down, Pope Leo the Great came out to the city and stopped him. Like I, He wasn't saying, well, I've got to stay in my chapel. Lay people go handle it. I think the bishops need to be out leading the pack on every single one of these. I think the sad thing is, is we lay people are often left alone without the leadership and the cover, the protection of the cannons. And by cannons, I mean the big artillery. I don't know. I, I kind of, maybe we disagree. Maybe I don't no. understand bishop. I, I kind of feel like bishops and clergy are hiding behind that kind of idea instead of being out there like Bishop O'Connell with the monstrance consecrating entire counties for Jesus Christ. I can't do that. Jesse can't do that. A deacon can't do that. We need bishops doing that. So I don't really want to hear, well, you lay people go deal with it. And maybe, you know, maybe there's somewhere in the middle there, but I, I want to see that if the bishops get out there, man, I want to be right there behind them, but we need we the bishops out dis- there. We don't disagree, Taylor. I think what he's saying to be fair to him, in other words, the sanctuary belongs to the clergy, not to Mrs. Garcia or Mrs. Robinson. Don't, we don't need lay Correct. people in the sanctuary. We don't need lay Correct. people. That's the job of the priest and bishop. Yeah, and that's his number one job. Yes. yes. I, I think that's what he's getting at. Yeah. To be, it doesn't mean they can't be out there. Well, of course, we know bishops and popes and saints have been out there with the Catholics. I think that primarily the job of the clergy is confecting the sacraments, giving a sanctifying grace, and the job of the laity is the public square. I think that's what he means, to yep. be fair. I agree. But it doesn't mean that they can't be out there. I'll give you a perfect example of somebody that went out there with his people. Bishop Strickland. The Temple of Satan went out there to his diocese and did like a, a three-day uh, carnival in the public. They rented a mall and they did a three. Guess who was out there praying with hundreds of lay people? Bishop Strickland. Okay? So you're right. It's not either or. It's both and. Yeah. Just like most things in Catholicism. It's not faith or, or works. It's faith and works. It's not do you love Jesus or Mary? No, we love. So it's not 
just stay in the sanctuary or go in the public. It's both and. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Good. Yeah. All right. So what, what can you give the email address for the Boston reparation again? And, yeah. mo- and moderators, can you add it to the live chat, please? Please do. Uh, the person in charge, the lay leader, courageous, chivalrous young man, his name is Kenneth Murphy. And Kenneth Murphy, his email, he's organizing a peaceful prayer rally in front of the Boston Marriott Copley Place, April 28th, 29th, and 30th. His email is Boston, and it's a capital B, everything else lowercase, Boston, capital B, altogether, reparation, capital R. So Boston reparation, only the B and R are are capital, at gmail.com. Boston reparation at gmail.com. Boston reparation at gmail.com. Again, I'll tell you why this is important for us to be out there. Because what's the most important, the reason why the Catholic Church exists, Canon 1752 of the Code of Canon Law, the 1983 Code says that the salvation of souls is the supreme law of the Catholic Church. We're going out there out of charity, caritas. We love these people because they're in darkness. They don't know Jesus. And we want to do prayers of supplication and intercessory prayers to merit the grace of conversion for these Satanists. And we also want our prayers to put a hedge of protection, as it says in the book of Job, for all the Bostonians that have no idea what's going on in that conference. We don't want them to say, as they say in Ghostbuster, slimed by these curses, hexes, incantations, and spells. Amen and amen. Well, good. And I think daily workout, daily battle, you're praying at least five decades a day, friends. At least five. I mean, you're, if you want to be in the battle... Pray the rosary every day. And then, Jesse, you said it earlier, we have to stay in a state of grace. Mortal sin is not an option. We cannot turn our back on Jesus on the cross. We have to avoid, if you have mortal sin, go to confession. There's a cure for it. But we really need to stay spiritually strong. And the way you say spiritually strong is you pray up. You do, this is conversations I have with my children. We want to stay out of mortal sin. It's not just a, I'm not going to do mortal sin. It is, do I say my morning prayers? Do I say my evening prayers? Do I do an examination of conscience? Do I pray the Angelus? Do I read the Bible? Do I ask for graces in mass? Do I seek to gain partial and plenary indulgences? Do I fast? All of these are questions that we need to challenge ourselves with so that we can be spiritually fit. There's no magic pill that takes away your spiritual disease, like whatever it is, spiritual diabetes or whatever it is. You have to become fit spiritually. And the Catholic church for 2000 years has a whole game plan and it's not that hard. So every single day, take up your cross, be a disciple. What would you add? What would you add, Jesse? Last thing I'll I'll add is 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 6. This is our motivation for going out there. Love does not rejoice in what is wrong, but rejoices with the truth. Period. Why are we going out there? Because we love souls. 
and we want to we want to just bring them out of darkness and we also as the bible says we rejoice in the truth who is the truth a person jesus christ as catholics let's not forget the social kingship of christ jesus we as catholics want to bring jesus christ into every single heart and every single nation that's called the social kingship of christ that's why we have to be out there in the public square taylor yes amen well good well why don't we ask saint joseph to pray for us and why don't we pray a hail mary we'll pray a hail mary in latin but we sign off so oremos nomini patris et fidi spiritus sancti amen ave maria gratia plena dominus tecum Benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Santa Maria Mater Dei, ora pro nobis pecadoribus, nunc et in remortis nostre. Amen. Saint Joseph, pray for ora us. Ora pro nobis, pray for us. Nomini Patris et Fidi et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. All right, friends, thanks for watching. Justin and I were on the phone yesterday talking about doing more shows together, more content. If you want us to do that, like this video, hit the thumbs up, subscribe. And um, Jesse, thanks for coming on and talking about, I mean, some of this stuff is really disturbing, but we got to yeah. be, we got to be ready. We got to be battle ready. So, um, so th thanks for coming on and everybody thanks pray for you. Jesse, pray for, for me. You. We're praying for y'all. And remember our Lord Jesus Christ says you're the light of the world and the salt of the earth. So go out there and be salty. God bless. Thanks, Jesse. Viva Cristo Rey. Talk to y'all soon.